the Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober with Alex and Lisa. Season three is sponsored by IPHM, an accreditation board for holistic therapists and training providers around the world. I'm Alex, one half of the Sober Experiment. And I'm Lisa, the other half. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Alex. <laughs> I made myself laugh that time. <laughs> Why can we not? say hello without laughing these days because it's weird we've just done the podcast and then we do the intro at the end which is for the beginning so then we say hello to each other like we've not seen each other all day so, it, so it's weird intros at the end just just saying <laughs> some dickhead said let's do it at the end i'm not sure if that was was it me? Was it you? Yeah. Yeah. Was it you? Let's do the intros at the end so we, we've got the meat of the podcast of what we're talking about. But instead, we end up looking like and sounding like two plunkers. Yeah, but that's a good idea because for some people that we do have on, we don't know much about them. So it's That's nice true. to have the conversation and then we know what we're introducing. Otherwise it would just go like this. Next up we have Jane. Whereas now we can go, oh my God, we have got <laughs> Jane's RC, who is the author of two books. Uh, see I've, um, the first one is what is it? Sober and pissed off. Oh no, that's the second no, one. No, that's the second one. It's the big title about spirituality and compassion is my religion. I think it's love and compassion is my religion. Love and compassion. Love and compassion is my religion. That's the first one. Yeah. I can't remember book titles. I don't know. This is yes. everyone now. We need to stop interviewing authors. <laughs> we really do because last week I no, last week you started it with Darren's book because we always want to say the sober bubble. And it was yeah. in your sober bubble. Is that right? In your sober yeah. bubble. Yeah. No, it's not, it's finding your sober oh, bubble. See what I mean? What is wrong with us? But I was dead sceptical about today's. I was really sceptical because like Jane contacted us through the website a while back and she sent us some links through to have a look, had a look and thought, wow, this sounds massively interesting, which it did and still does. So I got sober because uh, through AA and the 12 steps. And to be fair, we don't often get to speak to people who have gone through AA. I mean, we interviewed Mark Adderley, didn't we? And he'd done AA. Yeah. And Ben had done a, ben done a 12-stop programme or a detox. We'd done detox, definitely. But, but we don't often get to sit with people who can talk about AA. So openly as well. Yeah, and we thought, I thought I didn't agree with AA. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, when you speak to Jane... I should go to AA. <laughs> no, I think I do think it's it was just so lovely, and this is what people will find is there's certain terms that come from AA that get misconstrued, if you like, and yeah. we think they mean different things. So it was really nice to have the safe space to be able to ask her about these, and and I don't think it's that they get misconstrued by. Everybody, I suppose it's just your own perception, isn't it? But that's a good part of this conversation, isn't it? And how if you do have a different perception on it, you can use certain aspects as excuses or you can see it in a different way. I really enjoyed having Jane on, really enjoyed having her on. And I know for one, you're you're actually going to go and listen to the books. 
I am, yeah. I really fancy the love and compassion is my religion one. Really, really fancy that. I just think everything that she says is she's definitely my type of person. Definitely. She is your type of person. And I, I, I can tell about. that I've read the same books, I think. <laughs> Do you know what I loved about it is realising that God doesn't necessarily mean God. Because I think, for me, that's the one thing that's held me back about curiosity into AA and thinking, well, I couldn't get down on my knees and pray to God, for example. But I know I do rely on the universe to have my back, as we talk about, and, you know, just accepting that there is power, if that's what we want to call it. So I'm definitely going to listen to her books as well. Um, And Sober and Pissed Off, I'm really intrigued with because that... The second book is about the emotional sobriety and doing the same work. And I just thought, yeah, you know, we we actually believe the same things, don't we, as people who go to AA? Yeah, definitely. I think we've done, yeah. Do you think we've accidentally done the 12 steps? You know, I often think that there's lots of the, um, one of our ambassadors actually did the 12 steps and it, it doesn't go to AA anymore but absolutely swears that it was what saved his life at the beginning and he went for many many years and he said that a lot of the things we do with be sober without realizing is actually like the 12 steps there was something that I did a while back and it's one of the 12 steps and it's about forgiveness and I never realised it was an AA thing, but it was just something that naturally I kind of wanted to do. And I remember writing letters. Well, not necessarily letters, actually. I message, I message people on Facebook. It's kind of the same, but I made it sound like more English. <laughs> um, so, but messaged a couple of people on Facebook that I had a few issues with growing up or through my 20s that I thought I didn't like. And actually, when I looked back, it was probably just because I, I don't know, I just, I just felt that was a bit out of order with these people, you know, if we'd been on a night out or, and I kind of just grew up and thought, what was that about? There's no need for us to not like each other. So I, I apologised and it felt really good. And that's something that I believe they do in AA as well. Is um, I did that. Piss though. Well, that's no, it's true. Alex. Well, it is the same. No, I did still apologise for certain things with people through Facebook years ago, but I was pissed when I was doing it, and that <laughs> came from the wrong place. It did. It came from a place of feeling guilty when I was having a drink. So I'm sitting there thinking, popping a right shit head there. Feel really bad. I'll message him. What? I'll message him with one eye. You know. You know what? To be fair, I think. Well, you know what? I, I was this person, right? Oh, I'm so embarrassed to say it. Someone <laughs> have messaged him, right? But I'd be that dickhead in the pub that would go, like, you know, when you've had a few drinks and you've got the confidence and then you decide to tell somebody that you never really like them, but actually they're really nice now. Yeah, you know, I'm, you're drinking with them. Oh, don't. That's awful. Like, who the hell do you think you are? Like, who, who, like oh, I thought you was a right bitch. But actually, look how much fun. I'm so sorry for thinking that. I've come to a party of yours in your kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had people do that to me though. When I was at school, that used to happen a lot to me. People used to be like, oh, I didn't really want to speak to you. I thought you was a right bitch, but you're actually really nice. And I'd be like, that's offensive. (laughs) 
Like, so now I have a bitch. <laughs> Do you remember that you. woman in Cyprus who just took an instant dislike to you at the bar for nothing? Yeah, she was horrible at work. She was really nasty to me. She was proper nasty. She just went, I'll talk to you about me, but not her. I don't like her. She'd only like seen you for 30 seconds. I know. I can't believe I didn't. I'm annoyed at myself now. Because I'd had a drink. If I'd have been sober, I'd have dealt with that differently. No, you just love the attention that she liked you and not me. (laughs) That's probably true, but that's part of the shame that's attached to that story, right? Sober, I would have said... Well, I don't want to speak to you either. And I know I would have said that. I'd have proper had you back. Instead, this is what I had. Oh, she's dead nice, you know. You're like made excuses for me. Are we not talking to her? Like, what the hell is that about? That's just like wrong. But I think you're probably right. She was wrong, actually, not you. Can I tell you what? So this is nothing to do with any of this, but I just want to tell you what happened to me once, right? So we used to have a pub and we used to have karaoke every Tuesday. And these two twins used to come into karaoke every Tuesday, right? And there was like real fun, lovely, bubbly people. Anyway, years and years later, like 20 years later, <laughs> I know. Right? I bumped into one of them in the post office and I've just finished work and I've gone to the post office and she came up to me and she said, she recognised my mum first, actually. So she was like, oh, hi, how are you? And she went, oh, yeah, I'm really good. She said, I'm with our Lisa. And she looked at me, right? And she went, Lisa? <laughs> yeah, and she went, oh, what happened to you? You used to be really glamorous. <laughs> and I went, oh, well, I went, well I've, just, I've just finished work. I'm, I'm not going to make I was in the post office. I didn't even look rough or anything. I'm not like... I was a sober person, I think, when this happened. But yeah, she yeah, was to you. You used to be really glamorous. And then afterwards, she was like, oh, I'm not being rude. I'm just saying it how it is. And I got in the car and I was <laughs> like, no, that is not safe. That is rude. You don't say that to somebody. Like, you get, like it was 20 years ago. I'm sorry I've aged by 20 years. <laughs> Do you know what? <laughs> Something similar happened to me, but... Again. In fact, it's well annoyed me all over again. I'm so annoyed at that. <laughs> I'm moment. annoyed for you, but something that this something similar happened to me. So, for anyone who doesn't know, and Lisa does know, my husband is a, a fair number of years younger than me. So, we're at a school event, right? We were at a school event, not, not his, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> not that much younger. But um, we was at my daughter's school event, and at this school event, it was a play, and then all the parents stayed afterwards, and it was actually. Just Drinks on tables. I don't remember the end of that play, by the way. We were all drunk. But getting to the point. So my daughter had only been at the school for about six months. So I was only just getting to know these parents. And they clearly formed quite a clique. They were happy getting drunk together. They were enjoying themselves. And one of the mums I'd met previously through swimming. So I was talking to her. She knew a bit of my background. And my husband was stood kind of back from me and she said to this other woman who I was just being introduced to who I instantly didn't like by the way because I just did what I do sometimes and thought she's just going to be a horrible person how I was by the way so she said to that to her friend oh this is Alex um and and this is her husband blah 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 and then she went oh there's a massive age gap between them you can't tell can you and you know what she did she went I can tell (laughs) you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're gonna get it i've had a bottle of red wine have you no <laughs> you 
Is that why she's there? Yeah, I can tell, cheeky cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you should see now. I tell you that I can tell. People are rude when you too much. People are sorry. People are me interrupting, talking about rude people. Like, stop talking, <laughs> Alice. I've got something to say. <laughs> but people are ruder when they're drunk, aren't they? Well, they're ruder when they're drunk, but I also think the ruder as get older because I do think there's a level of not caring as much. And I don't mean not being compassionate. Yeah. And I mean, realising that actually life's a little bit too short for some things to be unsaid. But I do think unnecessary insults are unnecessary. Like, what would it have taken for her to go, no, they look great together? Even if well, she'd have been lying, clearly. <laughs> but it is, even if it wasn't true, it wouldn't cost anything to be nice. No, it wouldn't. It's just, it's just think, not nice. I, I think this being kind, it, it's easy, isn't it? Well, yeah. I think it is. is it, it Maybe it isn't for some people. But I have to say, Lisa, that it is true that me and my husband don't look much different, just so that people know. You know what, actually? I really do have your back on this because I genuinely do not think that you can tell that there's an age gap. And sometimes if I show people a picture of you, you know, like you do that, don't do people do that? I do. And I'll go, look, you wouldn't know, would you, that he was um, X number of years. Yeah, so I do actually say that, but then I'm already setting them all partner because I'm saying you wouldn't know, would you? <laughs> that's true, but that's because you've got my back on like me at the bar that should have told that woman to go and do one. <laughs> yeah, that weren't very nice of you. Yeah, yeah well, no, I'll be a better I'm friend kidding. from now on. Thanks. <laughs> well, I wouldn't give that woman the time, dear. No, I wouldn't, and that's why I'm annoyed that I did. Yeah. Said the cow. Anyway, yeah. Moving, so, moving, moving swiftly on. <laughs> While we're talking about being kind and compassionate to people, I've just insulted somebody. You just, we've just, yeah, we, we've insulted people for insulting us. So, on a nicer note, today's podcast is with Jane Jane's RC. I still now I can't say her name. Like <laughs> Jane's RC, and she is an author of two books. Everything is going to be in the description. Please check her out because honestly, I was massively intrigued with the conversation and pleasantly surprised because I was really sceptical and it turned out to be one of my faves and I know we always say that but yeah I loved it really enjoyed it enjoy hi Jane thank you so much for joining us on our podcast how are you I'm well thank you thank you for having me this is really fun no, we're really excited to meet you and obviously after the initial confusion about our massive time difference we've found yes semi-suitable-ish time to do it for you so thanks for getting up so early yeah well thank you for accommodating me uh with COVID I had to make sure my daughter was first settled e-learning and all that because she's not back in regular school we're I'm in outside of Chicago and we're still locked down here so just had to get her going we tried the honor system initially it went okay but I still have to uh I have to look over, look over what she's doing. We're exactly the same here. I've got three at home, so I know exactly how it is. I've just been, I've yeah. just arranged the age range. I've got a four-year-old and then two uh, older teens. Wow. And the four-year-old, I've just been cutting out the three little pigs with him. And then the older ones are doing like GCSE, which is um, junior, your kind of end science. So it's, it's a massive oh. difference. Oh my gosh. And Lisa's in the same boat, two out at work and one at school. So we get it. We completely oh. know how it is, don't we, Lisa? 
We do. Um, We've been locked down since March as well, basically, here. I think we had like three weeks in between that, didn't we? That's about it. So, um, yeah, we we get it. I know. Sometimes she asked me to help her with algebra. I don't remember. I feel I have to Google things and look on YouTube to be of any assistance. It's horrible. We've we've just done the same. I school was never for me. That's where Alex and I differ quite a lot because Alex <laughs> loved it so much. She went on to be a teacher, and I couldn't wait to get out of there. And my youngest daughter is exactly the same. So what we've been doing is we have been creating her own business while she's been off school. So that's our homeschooling. That's that- cool. It's gone. <laughs> have to do all her accounts and everything, Lisa. So there's a maths. Yeah, yeah, she was. Yeah, that's what I mean. So we're getting there around about. <laughs> but yeah, we're really excited to speak to you, um, Jane. We neither of us have actually read your books yet. So, um, but I did have a quick look at the bios that you sent through, and I can't wait. And I'm so interested to hear about your first book. It wasn't your first one, um, because of the title. Which is uh, I've forgot it now. Oh, like, so, sober and pissed off. Like that has yes. absolutely intrigued me. So tell us about that. Okay. Well, the first book was about getting physically sober. How you know there's no known cure for alcoholism. The only proven treatment is spirituality. So I got sober in AA. So when I first went to AA, I was so confused. There was a lot of talk about God. I thought, well, I. I just want to quit drinking. I'm not, I'm not looking for church. It was, was confusing, but, um, you know, it was explained. You just have to be honest, open-minded and willing. And once I was open to the God concept, um, I haven't had a drink in over 11 plus years. So when I thought I couldn't quit drinking, I was a hundred percent correct. But when I believed that a power greater than alcohol and I de- and then eventually greater than myself could relieve me from that, he did. So, um, so sober and pissed off is about emotional sobriety because I, just because there are a lot of people, when I used to get angry, I used to drink. And so dealing with emotions without escapism, without wanting to, you know, even acting out because when you're in a, I'm in AA, but for, if you're sober and you have friends or family that are considering, well, you know, I've got a problem. Maybe I should, should um, stop doing this or stop drinking. They look to people like us. And if they see us acting like a bunch of unhinged buffoons, it's not going to be attractive. And we want to be, you know, we're, we're a program of attraction rather than promotion. So if I'm going through something and I, I'm able to handle it, you know, with some sort of discipline and um, composure, that, that really helps other people think, well, you know what, maybe, maybe there, there is something to this. There is something to this. For me, um, unabashedly, I, I'm all about God. I believe I did not get sober by my own works. I believe in a higher power that helped me get sober. And I also believe in a higher power that helps me with my emotions. Um, it's funny. I go every year. We have a, in Akron in Ohio we have a um, drop the rock retreat and it's really for emotional sobriety. It's for steps six, seven, and eight. And it's basically getting, you know, how do we still deal with these character defects? And there are women there with a lot of time, you know, 20, 30 years who, you know, still struggle with 
everything from, you know, jealousy to anger to, you know, insecurity. Insecurity is one of the common denominators for alcoholic women. We have all dealt with insecurity. And a lot of times that's led us to drinking. And a lot of times it's something we still struggle with in sobriety. So um, it's funny how, the you know, alcoholism is a twofold part where it's a mental obsession. I want to drink. I want to drink. I want to drink. Coupled with a physical allergy. Once I put it in my system, I can't stop. I don't know how the mental obsession left. I prayed for it. I believe, I don't know how God removed it because I lived with it for over a decade. But if I was still thinking about drinking, I'd still be, I I would have died in the disease or I'd be drinking, you know, Chardonnay in this coffee mug right now. I would not have been able to quit. But character defects with the sober and pissed off, those didn't go away. Those aren't something that just, poof, you know, went away. Those are something we have to constantly work at. And I, again, back to, back to God, I believe those weren't removed just like that because God wants to partnership with us. God wants us to need him like little children. And God wants us to work through our, our problems with him together. That's just my own humble opinion. You so, know, it's sorry so, for my dissertation. <laughs> no, it's so interesting to speak to you because honestly, it couldn't be further away from our approach, but we've reached the same kind of conclusion in that right. I guess that, you know, you're still saying that the spiritual and the emotional development is needed once you get sober. Very, very much agree with that. We're exactly the yes. same. We kind of sure. got sober and then the work starts. So yes. I, even though we didn't do the 12 step and even though we don't necessarily mm-hmm. believe in the higher power, the sure. process and steps are very, mm-hmm. very similar. I, I'm actually really intrigued to hear about a little bit more about, because you went from, you say, not having that faith in the system. Yeah completely having the faith in the system. How did that come about? I had a sponsor who was a God freak. And basically, um, he, I grew up, a lot of my problems with alcohol were, I, I didn't feel, you know, good enough. And I was relying on external validation. Oh, gee, what does that person think of me? What if I have this? Well, will I be more popular if I look like this or if I drive that? And everything was outside of me. And not realizing the spiritual malady is if you're reaching outside of yourself to feel good about something, you're suffering from a spiritual malady that only God can fix. And he was a very um, flamboyant gay man who worked at the steel mills in Northwest Indiana and would wear nail polish. And they learned to just completely ignore and be indifferent to the steel workers' comments about his sexuality or, you know, he'd like to dress little trans and things like that. And I thought, wow, I, I could learn a lot from somebody who could teach me to not care what other people think. Because growing up, sometimes that's how I would base my day. Oh, wow. Well, people are nice to me today. I'm going to feel good. Oh, people aren't treating me so well today. I'm going to feel bad. And if you're relying on external circumstances to how you're feeling inside, you're screwed. And he explained to me, he feels this, he, he's able to ignore those external circumstances and feel good with an internal power that he can only tap into through his um, connection to a higher power. And that was so attractive to me. And I really, really wanted it. And he was happy. And um, when, I, when I went to AA, I, I just couldn't stop drinking. I was one of those they called Welcome Back Jane. Um, I, I'd get drunk 
and then come back with another hospital bracelet or have to go get an Ativan drip just to buy beer at Walmart hours later. I mean, it was just one of those things where a lot of people, you know, wrote me off, you know, she's never going to get it, you know, that sort of thing. So I started dating. (laughs) I would start dating guys with time thinking that their sobriety would rub off on me. I started dating a guy who had 10 years sober, but he was also agnostic and atheist, but he was able to work the steps mechanically. He did not have the God concept and he was able to work the steps mechanically and he was able to stay sober. But I saw a big difference from people who rely more on the spirituality aspect as opposed to more of the dry people and people that um, had more of the, the spiritual love inside of them. I found that more appealing. So that's the route that I, that I took. And that's the route I was guided to. Once I started feeling that inside, I just wanted more. I just, you know, I still, I, you know, 11 years later, I still want more God every day. Um, a lot of people, you know, I used to be the drunk and now I'm kind of the God freak. But I'd rather be the God freak than the drunk. So that's that's how it works for me. That's and I think that's yeah. amazing, you know. I really genuinely do. And I think it's so weird, actually, to hear the kind of, you know, the, like you say, the God concept, the non-God concept. But actually, mm-hmm. the, the beliefs in terms of, this, you know, needing to tap into your spiritual side and needing to heal yeah. are very much what we believe, aren't they, Lisa? Yeah, I think people get frightened of the word God. I, I genuinely do. I think it's frightening to people. And, you know, um, when we talk about the higher power, I think that puts people off going to AA because they're like, oh, I'm not religious. I don't believe in a higher power. But that's not necessarily the case, is it? It doesn't have to be God for, you know, some people find it in other ways or um, that's what I've heard anyway. Would, would you say Yeah, that absolutely. Right? See, a lot of people use the group and God could be an acronym for group of drunks or good orderly direction. So for me, I was drinking myself to death. I mean, my kidneys were failing. I was just unemployable, borderline alcoholic dementia. I really, I couldn't have gone on much wow. longer. It was a life or death situation for me so um if they said you're either going to drink yourself to death or you're gonna you're gonna have to find a spiritual solution i was as ready as only the dying could be you know i that gift of desperation where i figured you know my daughter was under two i as embarrassing as, as it is to admit i was an unfit parent she had to live with my dad you know a lot of women don't want to admit their their child is better off in other hands but but i was there i was that far gone so um so if it was spirituality that was going to save me and make me be able to come a mom again and reunite with my daughter give anything just please let let me have it I that's, love that's, that's, uh, so how does it work for you without um with the i mean i obviously i had to find a power higher than alcohol you know, to keep, to preclude me from drinking myself to death. But what do you ladies choose to call it? What if it's not God or higher power? I suppose what for me, I would I work. I think I work with the universe a little bit. I, I would oh, say I like that. that. So I kind of, but I avoid the word God, and it's ridiculous, really, because of the stigma 
around it and because and you know which is daft really because I worked so hard at removing the stigma around alcoholism and sobriety yeah I'm like oh don't say the god word really loud like and it's ridiculous but I do a lot of meditation and so I find that for me especially at the beginning was an absolute lifesaver because my life was absolutely upside down when I first stopped drinking not all actually because of my drinking but because of the situation I was in because of my husband because of what was going on with my children and for me my savior was stopping drinking and my one meditation class every week and just coming out of myself and finding it that way and I'm a big believer in like my spiritual side with crystals and um, you know all you know all things like that and but mindset massively and just focusing on all the amazing things that sobriety brings, which is why I love the title of your book, Sober and Pissed Off, because I've met so many people that have been sober for like 10 years and they're pissed mm-hmm. off. They're still like, oh. I, I, I want oh, to yeah. They feel like they're missing out. And for me, that absolutely fascinates me because mm-hmm. I've worked, and I think it's something that must have come quite naturally to me to focus on the good things rather than what I was missing out on. And I know that that's not actually easy for lots of people to do, is it? No, it's not. And meditation, I mean, that is a connection when I, a lot of people in AA, I mean, I'm not going to take a poll, but a lot of people don't meditate a lot of times and a lot of people show up and, and um, here I got this. Here I go. The judgment's coming out, but myself included, myself included, will show up with you know my dog ate my homework program. You know, I'd like to make a topic today, and I want the program to be about you know this problem at home or that problem at home. And and if you when I when I meditate, I did that. I I learned the subtraction um, method. It it came out in New York in 1996. And basically it's just throwing away anything that doesn't serve you. So until it's just left with like just you and something greater than you. And like it, it can be the universe, like you said, or it can be love or just something bigger than you that you can, it's palpable. Like you can feel it inside. And if you trust whatever that is, whatever else is going on isn't that important. So I feel that when people are all pissed or bent out of shape or mad that they can't drink anymore, they're not trusting the process. Because if you really believe that there's a power out there that cares for you, then you then you would trust it and you would worry less. That's just the way I see it. And I also think that at first step meetings where people are new, don't talk so much about God. It scares <laughs> people away. They come in, they can't stop drinking, they're hung over, they're sweating, they feel like crap, they want to just, you know, wish they could chug a beer and everyone's talking about God. And then they run for the door and nine times out of 10, they won't come back. So, you know, we I like to say more will be revealed, just keep coming back, there is a solution. But throwing God down their throat, oh my, from the get-go when they're all, oh boy, that's that doesn't go over so well. It didn't go over well with me it, it, it takes it takes time to come around to whatever it is I think I wonder, that's what I was oh. getting at a second ago when I said that even though the kind of belief systems are not the same we both very much rely on the fact that we've got the positive mindset we yes. 
what we're going through. We know there are yep. And I think unknowingly, without working the 12 steps, we've probably worked the 12 steps. <laughs> we, we do do that. Yeah, and absolutely. People, they have said about, like, it's very similar to the 12 steps in some of the things that we do. One thing that I would love to ask you about is... Um, and because I don't know, and because you do go to AA, you can answer this. So I want to ask it right. But it's about being powerless to alcohol. So yeah. something, and maybe it's just a twist on words that we use, mm-hmm. is that we kind of look at ourselves as being very powerful for not drinking. Yes. And so we struggle when you know, when somebody is saying, oh, it's me and I'm, and I'm powerless and I, and I want to go, no, you're not, you're so powerful and you're strong and, and, and the, and also about the addictive side of it, because alcohol is addictive. Mm -hmm. I know, is it true, true that you, you focus more on it being the person than the substance, basically, is what I'm trying to get at. I, I could not agree with you more. I am powerless over alcohol. That is the only time that word is used, even in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. The rest is how powerful I am with, with spirituality, with the love, the universe, whatever you want to call it. It's all about regaining power. When I now have self-control. I now have dignity. I now have self-respect. I drank away my self-respect. I drank away my integrity. I was able to reclaim those things. And that, that makes me very powerful. Now, the way Bill W. describes powerlessness is, um, like I said, a mental obsession. I want to drink coupled with a physical allergy. So the physical allergy part, I'm scared to put alcohol in my system again. You know, what if there's a chance that I could, you know, be every alcoholic has that, oh, what if I could drink again? And I've been to enough meetings that people have thought that, well, you know, it's been five years, it's been eight years, I think I can have a glass of wine. And then they're right back where they were or even worse. So I love people that share their relapse stories because it it um, it keeps me away. But I am not powerless over alcohol anymore. I can be around an open bar all day long. I can go to concerts with everyone around me drinking. The only time that I would be scared, I'd be powerless again, is if I put it in my system and I have a a, a craving, a phenomenon, a reaction where my body just goes, holy cow, is this good? Give me more, 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 more. Because that's I was never one that, you know, would have one or two. I'd finish everything. And and I'd watch social drinkers. Well, last couple of years of my drinking, there was nothing some social about it, not remotely, because no one else was around. I drank alone in my pajamas. Mm. So, but I would watch people with cocktails and they'd leave half a glass of wine or three quarters of a beer. And I'm, what the heck is that? And I have to be honest that that's not the way I drank. But, you know, I believe that the powerfulness, you know, in there are different promises that correlate with steps. And we read the ninth step promises a lot in meetings about like the good things that sobriety will bring you. But I far prefer the 10th step promises because I can go anywhere now, neither cocky nor afraid. I can be around people having a drink next to me. I go to concerts, I'm going to concerts for years. And I, uh, I, I just, I look at first, I looked at it like a skull and crossbones. Like, you know, that's, that could work. But now it's, I look at it as I don't, I don't want it. 
I knew what I, I, I'm happier without it. And I just don't want to risk it. And again, that mental obsession of wanting it is gone. And, um, but if I put it in my system, be honest with you, ladies, if I had two glasses of Chardonnay, I, I'd be scared I'd finish the whole darn bottle and go, and then go out and get another. So yeah, that's where the powerless comes, comes from. Is, sorry, is that where Pardon? the powerless comes from then? So the powerless. I believe, I believe, yeah. Well, you know, there are def- different theories. Like I'm genetically um, predisposed. There's alcoholism in my family. You know, when I first quit drinking, my brother made a joke. He said, well, we're half German, half Irish. Why fight it? You know, it's just part of our <laughs> genetic makeup. But um, but I I believe that that's uh, is either what alcohol did for me the escapism and what it did to me with destroying my life and taking away my relationships and leaving me very sick and extremely poor and extremely unhealthy. I cared more about what it did. So, um, you know, and alcohol destroys that part of the brain. It, you know, it destroys the self-preservation, self-care. When I first got sober, I was like, I can't believe how horrible I was to myself. And, you know, it was explained to me, the alcohol made you incapable of caring for yourself. It's not that you didn't want to, it made you incapable. And so, um, so yeah, I I, I am, that's because there is the allergy component. If I started drinking again, I'd be scared all bets are off and that drunk would show up that nobody wanted to be around. Yeah, it's so. the same, I think. Yeah. I yeah. understand it in the way you say it, actually, yeah. and, I, and, I can, and I agree with it. <laughs> I, I do. If I had one drink, I wouldn't be able to have one drink. I would start mm-hmm. again. And even if I didn't start that day, the week yeah. later, the month later, I'd be back where I was eventually. And mm-hmm. so I think it's really strange. It's just the wording to me that makes our beliefs different. <laughs> do you think oh, about yeah. that? Sorry, I I I was just going to say then, I look at it like my ex-husband, he he went through AA and I think like my question really came from that and and his perception of it because that is what he used as an excuse to drink again. Well, I'm powerless over it and it's it's part of who I am and I, you know, so that, so it's mm-hmm. really interesting. Really, that was just his perception because he wanted to drink again. <laughs> which is... But if you want an excuse, there could be any excuse. Yeah. If, if, if somebody wants to get sober and really wants help, I can't say anything wrong. But if someone really doesn't want it and just wants me to shut up and go to the bar, I can't say anything right and the powerless i hate it when i go to meetings and people say i'm powerless over people places and things no you're not you're <laughs> if you have no reaction honey that's a reaction you're not powerless over them you're oh, you can control you have self-discipline today i'm not going to rent let some jerk rent space in my head and think about them and oh, how much they screwed me over and how much my life sucks. I have a choice today, not just a choice if I'm going to pick up a drink, but I have a choice to be happy on purpose. I don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, let's see what my circumstances are and if I'm going to enjoy today, you know? And then I find out my circumstances are, you know, the dog pooped on the stairs, my daughter's hasn't gotten up to do her work and, you know, there's a sink full of dishes and no, 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 no. I have to get my mindset right first. I, I do that through prayer and meditation. And then you're able to handle that stuff. And that stuff isn't big stuff. But if you're in the wrong mindset, 
everything's irritable. If you're in a healthy, positive mindset, it's like, I can handle this. <laughs> you know, I've been through far worse. Okay. This is not that big of a deal. Yeah. I, I can feel your like sober energy actually coming through. And it's really nice to speak to you on this level because this is, this is where we do meet absolutely in the middle. <laughs> We, we get this side of it and we're really positive in our surprise. Did you ever have doubts? Did you ever have doubts when you started your journey about getting sober and staying sober? Yeah, I, I didn't think I, I thought I was constitutionally incapable. I drank after my first meeting. I went to meetings for over a year before I um, was able to even get 30 days. And once I got 30 days, um, I, uh, there was a, a, ha- a handle, as we call it, like a big bottle of Jim Beam. And I just, I got my corn. I said, go drink it, go drink it real fast. Just just go drink it. And I, I chugged it. And then I called my sponsor and uh, he said, I said, I'm drinking. He said, what do you, I said, Beam and water. And I got some ice cubes. And by that time, I lit a cigarette. He goes, can you pour it out? I said, no. It was like asking me to cut off my right arm. I could not pour it out. And that drink lasted another six weeks. I couldn't put, it took me another six weeks to get another 30 days. And once I got my second, I got 30 days twice. And after that, I, I went up 60, 90 and then got to start counting months instead of days. But I do know because I did go back to drinking. I think that's, you know, we talk a lot about the insanity of it, the insanity of the disease. And I think right now, after my life has improved so much where I am, I'm not a wet brain. I was worried. I was, wet brain and they have a napkin they're drooling out of side of their mouth and I was that kind of drunk a lot of women that drank like me are dead or you know and I didn't want to die another alcoholic statistic so yeah it, it's it's it still is a I'm not scared of alcohol like if someone orders it at the dinner table I'm like half at it you know I'll even pay for it if you want another drink I'm scared that if I have a cocktail yeah. all bets are off And, um, I do know what it's like because I did drink after having that period of sobriety and the insanity of it would be going back to drinking again and just, you know, throwing it all away. You live one day at a time, Jane, now, or are you very much, I'm permanently sober? I I live one day at a time, but some days it's, uh, one moment at a, at a time. Like I, I could have some, you know, some bad moments, but AA also taught me I can start my day over. So I don't really have bad days anymore. I have bad moments and I do tend to, um, to plan more in the future than I should. But, um, but I really, I really think that is living one day at a time for me means I didn't drink today. I did my best. I tried to be a good person. I tried not to hurt anyone. I tried to be helpful, kind, and considerate. That's one day at a time. But I have long-term goals, you know, as a mother in business. So, um, so I do, I do think further out than just one day at a time. Right, rod, or indifferent. I have to be honest about that. I think that's another misconception, actually, that's just come to me. That when people say one day at a time. Mm-hmm. that other people think that means that they are really struggling. So they've got to yeah. take it one day at a time because every day yeah. they want a drink and they can't see. And it's not, is it? It's like... Oh, and, and people treat me like that. Like, I'm, I'm this 
like they order a beer and they're like, are you okay with this? Like I'm this cartoon character that's drooling over it. And it's, it, their beer is like this yummy steak. Like yeah. after all these years, they think that we, we are always white knuckling it. And, and, and that part's been removed and go ahead. I mean, I'm indifferent to alcohol. I mean, I'm, if I put it in my system, I'm right back. But if I'm indifferent to being around it, but other people, you know, some of them, Oh, oh, this is so good. Oh, is this bothering you? No, it's not bothering me. You know, knock yourself out. But yeah, that is a misconception. (laughs) We're just holding on, not drinking for today. And if that was the case, I would have gotten drunk years ago, ladies. Really. Yeah. If, it, if it didn't get so much better, I would have gone back to it by now. I wouldn't have been. I, I'd rather, I, you know, I didn't sober up to be miserable. And we got to yeah. be happy on purpose. It's not, I got I to gotta make it a priority. Yeah, you do. And, and, and it's really true what you said about not for happiness outside of yourself. Because you have all the answers yourself to be happy. You have everything you have to be happy. And that's where we completely, you know, you're very powerful over your actions, over your decisions, over yes. your choice to be happy. I love that attitude. Absolutely love it. And I know Lisa will. because I just wrote the quote, Jane. I'm going to quote you on that, Jane. We've oh, got to be happy on purpose. It's tight. It's there. It has to be. As if I roll, like I said, if I roll out of bed and, oh, let's see what's going to go on today, or let me turn on the news and see how I feel about that, I am doomed. Yeah. So it's something... You know that, that that we create ourselves, and you know I, I really do. There, there is one class that actually surpassed econ at, at Harvard, and it was a happiness class, and it was basically how gratitude correlates with happiness. Yeah, and it was this. I went to college in Boston, so I, I didn't go to Harvard. I went to BU, but I'm very familiar with people that have studied this class. It's relatively recent, and they've talked to me about it, and and it's true. So. I start off with the littlest things. I thank God for opening my eyes. I thank God I can see. I thank like God you, Lisa. I can hear. I thank God I can walk down the stairs without being in any pain at 49 and a half. I thank God my kids healthy. And I mean, I, 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 I'm grateful for everything. I'm grateful that I have, I have a cup of coffee. I'm, I, I'm grateful. I, that kind of If you're not grateful for, for what you have, you're never... If you're not grateful for where you are, you're never going to get to where you want to go. You know, when I first got sober, I moved into this little teeny, teeny apartment and I cried tears of gratitude to have it because um, my alcoholism left me effectively homeless. I was couch surfing for a while. I was an unfit parent. Um, So just to have keys to my own place, you know, due to my sobriety, Oh my gosh, that was, I still, I still get, you know, that was a big deal for me. So if you're not not grateful for starting at the little stuff, if you're not happy where you are, you're not going to get to where you want to go. Really, you got to be just grateful forever, wherever you are. And that gratitude, people, people can tell when you, I'm, I've been also in sales and people, people can tell when, when you have goodness on the inside, but God didn't get me sober or to keep me in my house, you know, so I can be happy and grateful by myself. I have to give it away. I have to show people I care about them. I cannot be selfish and happy simultaneously. So, you know, people at, I'll take the time if they need something because people took the time for me. I didn't have a car. I didn't have money. 
I didn't have a place to stay. So I have, I have to give back to those things because I know what, what that's like. And, um, and, and the funny thing is ladies that I've done that for, especially mothers who lost their kids, I see them get sober and turn around and it's the ripple effect. And it's payback. It's always paying it forward, paying it forward. Can I ask you a question about, uh, I'm sorry to go back to the, the AA, the God concept one. Sure, sure, sure. I'm asking this for actually one of our members and the, the lady will know who she is. So in AA, what if you turn up and you do not believe in God and you're not prepared to open your mind to that, can you still do AA? Yes. Like I said, I've seen people work the steps mechanically and stay sober, but I don't think the level or the quality of sobriety is the same. And here's why. I believe that there are two fundamental belief systems that I must have to live to live a to live a really good life. And the first one is I have to believe that there's a power, the universe, love, my beloved, whatever I want to call it, that genuinely cares about me. Because I showed up not caring about myself. So I have to believe there's something out there, whatever it is looking over me, that genuinely cares for me. And then I have to believe that that will for me is good. And that that takes it all off my shoulders because the burden is putting a trust in something else that even if I screw up, you know, I could be redirected and still taken care of. So when, when the book of AA was written, they said that 75% of the people were, were sober, were getting sober. And now it's less than 10%. Mm-hmm. And people wonder why that is. And this is just my theory. And, you know, it's not a very popular theory. But if, um, if God is your higher power and that's the one you're turning to, I think you're going to have a better quality sobriety than if you're relying on a group of other human beings or some people say, Oh, you know, my coffee cup keeps me sober. My, you know, I really believe that that God, God concept in the level of sobriety is the difference between chicken shit and chicken salad. Just my opinion for me. But, but would you agree that maybe God isn't the typical man in the sky? It's just the high. No, no, no. God could be, God could be nature. God could be love. God could be the universe that has my back. Oh, James, can I just hold you right on that? Because while you were talking then about having, you know, just that trust. As you read, um, the universe has your back by Gabby Burns. Oh, yeah. Well, that was one of my early sobriety books. And I remember in that, um, she asks you for just one day to rely on the universe and just assume yeah. that everything that happens on that one day is you, you're just in the right place and it's meant to be. And I remember listening to that on Audible. I was walking down the canal and the weight just lifted up off me. I was like, you know what, for this one day, I'm going to really believe the universe has my back and that whatever happens today is because it's meant to be. And to be able to do that, I remember that feeling for that one day. So to be able to do that day after day must be just like, I I just feel that. I really feel it from you. And I'm I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Take it a step further. The universe took care of me yesterday. The universe yes. is taking care of me right now. And guess what? Maybe the universe, maybe. No, no, no. I'm no maybes here. The universe is going to have my back tomorrow too. That's just yeah. how 
That's my belief system. And, and things are going to go wrong. You know, it's like playing cards. Let's say you play cards and you get this crappy hands of cards. And I say, oh, I want Alex's cards or I want, I want someone else's cards. I don't want my cards. That's not the way life is. So, you know, when I got sober, my circumstance, I was poor, I was sick, I was broken, you know, all of it. No integrity, no dignity. I didn't know what honesty was because I lied about my drinking for 10 years. So I'm looking at my crappy hand on oh, my credit. Don't get my <laughs> credit. <with> my <laughs> so I'm looking at my crappy hands and I learned to play the hell out of a crappy hand instead of wishing my circumstances were different or I had uh-huh. your circumstances. Or hers. I learned to deal with my self-partnership with the universe, playing the heck out of a really bad situation and, and winning. I really think this this is going to help so many people specifically with what I've just asked you about, because I think there's a lot of fear around the 12 steps in AA and I must be man in the sky and all that. And, And even for my own understanding, just knowing that I actually could easily simply work 12 steps because I do, I do believe that I'm in this place at this time, in this moment for a reason and oh, yeah, being named God, but that, right. power, that is a higher power. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, you could call it divine order could be the universe. I believe yeah, that, that's you know, a good everything you, is divine order. You mean yeah, divine God, order, God. you know, I mean, everything's, it's, <laughs> it's a lesson. I mean, I've had some crappy and if you look back on it, oh my God, even before, drunk, sober, I've had some really bad things happen. I've had, you know, I've just, but I've gotten through them. And yeah. if you look back at the past and go, well, shoot, I got through that. Well, I got through that. And the funny thing about it is when you go through stuff sober and it, it's awful, and then you, you get, you get out of it and you look back and go, wow, it never occurred to me to drink during that time frame. Something's yeah. working. Because the when some, when the when the crap hits the fan and I don't go out and buy a bottle, you know something's happening there. Yeah, and then you look back and yeah. go, you know, things are going to happen again. It's something's going to happen again. Maybe my car breaks down. Maybe something health wise. Maybe you know this hasn't been the best year for me financially. You know, just stuff. I'll, it will all work out eventually. And you don't grow when things are good. You just don't. You grow when things are crappy, when nothing's going your way. Oh my gosh, my my checking accounts debit. I have a health issue. I don't know if I have health insurance at this time. That's when your character develops. That's when you find out who you really are is when your chips are down. Because everyone can, oh, you know, when things are great, everyone can be be great. My dad's a trader. I come from a trading a family so you know if your trades are going well or if you're a gambler and your bets are going well hey it's real easy to enjoy those winners but how do you handle a loser that's that's where it's really at yeah would you say that this came quite naturally to you are you naturally good at gratitude no no, I, I learned that um, I, I was extremely negative. 
I, my first meeting at AA, I thought they're all full of crap and they're drinking in their car like I am, or they're not a real drunk. Because anyone that's a real drunk would be drinking right now. No, I, I, the God saying, oh my gosh, they're saying, we're going to love you till you can love yourself. I think keep your pants on, Romeo, and don't hug me. No, it, it did not come natural at all. But I was dying. And I saw, I saw people living lives that were rewarding free of alcohol. So I was like, huh. There's something to this. So maybe, just maybe I could live a life free of alcohol. So, and that was hope. And like, you know, without hope, we've got nothing. You got nothing without hope. So just that mustard seed of hope of, you know, maybe I can have a life that, you know, I'm, I'm not drunk all the time. That, that's what's, what started. It's just the hope. And then when I realized I got the hope and then the faith and that's when things started coming. I was just desperate. I was just done feeling like crap. I felt like I, I, I had to reach up to touch whale crap. I felt so bad about myself. So, so just seeing these concepts work for other people. And then, you know, it's, it's like, um, I, I sit in a lot of meetings in, um, with electricians and they still will say, I don't know how electricity works. I can tell you that if I go flip that light switch on your light's going to come on and then they do that. Now they'll also say, I, now you go flip flip that light switch and you see light. And then when, when you flip that light switch and you feel that light inside you all on your own, that's where the rubber hits the road. When you start doing the stuff that they suggest and you start to feel good about yourself when you haven't, I didn't feel good about myself for years. It was, you know, being an alcoholic, I wanted more. And this time it was something good. I wanted more good for once instead of destructing myself. Yeah. I'm a journalist. I want more. I want more, more, more. I'm conscious of time, but honestly, you're conscious of time as well. And it's like I'm so absorbed in this conversation now. I'm like, oh, I just like I don't feel like we've heard enough, and I don't want to make it. I'm free. Anytime you want me back, just let me know. This is a real pleasure. We need to carry on, but I don't want to just end yet. If you don't mind, I really want. Tell people about your books and your where they can find oh, sure. you and things like that. Okay. Um, my first book is called Love and Compassion is My Religion. It's a beginner's book into spirituality. It was how someone like me who was so self-absorbed, had no concept of God, and then learned about spirituality and able was able to, you know, reclaim my integrity and dignity and not only feel good about myself, but you know, when, when you wanting to be kind to other people. And that's the crazy thing in the selfish world with all these selfies and self-centeredness. Now, if I don't like me, how the heck am I going to care about you? How am I going to be nice to you? So that, that was the natural, like, progression. Like, once I started to feel good about myself, I was able to be nice to my, my fellow man. And then when you look at what's wrong with the world today, a lot of times people are just cruddy to each other because they don't like themselves. So, you know, you get all done out of shape because so-and-so doesn't like you. Well, so-and-so struggling to like themselves. So don't take that personally. So that was that. And then the sober and pissed off was, um, you know, the emotional sobriety, just uh, finding out, uh, you know, what to do when you're, you are just, you're, you're either struggling physically or mentally or with depression or just there are a lot of people in AA who aren't feeling good. And, um, if the, if the, 
if God and AA could love me back to life from my drunkenness, maybe I could use everything they gave me to, to love me back to life out of a funk, out of a dry funk. Because I, it, you look around and you think, oh, well, you know, so-and-so's dry, so-and-so's not, is, is, you know, we, I hate to say it, but a lot of people, you know, we, we judge each other unfairly. And I became, and you know what, just, I became the person that I judge. Oh, well, that person's dry and miserable. Well, guess what? I became dry and miserable. So now I have more compassion for those people because it happened. You know, I believe we go through, through, through stuff to give compassion because I can't tell you, I, I can't, I can't have much compassion for a situation I haven't been in, but yeah. if I've been in a situation where I've just been in intense emotional pain and in that pain funnel and someone tells me they're in pain of some pain is pain. I'm right there with you. I can relate. But if you haven't experienced that, it's, it's really hard to help others. So I look through all the pain I've been through as, you know, just a tool these days to help other people because it helped me. Other people took the time to help me. I, honestly, I'm abso- I can't even tell you how grateful I am for this conversation. And I know Lisa's the same. I know in Lisa's head now that I can see a ticking thinking, I'm going to listen to that book. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, good, good. I really am. I just think, honestly, I have loved this podcast. I've really enjoyed speaking to you. And you, you are just everything that I love about a person <laughs> honestly oh. you really are and you're really inspiring and we've not even heard half of it I know we haven't or how you actually really got to that stage but I can tell how inspiring you are and I just think you just you're doing the world a massive favor by sharing your story and your knowledge and your positivity and you're just so inspirational thank you no, likewise. You, I, I think you ladies, it was been just such a pleasure. And thank you for all you do. You're helping, oh. you're helping a lot of people. And this has been a real pleasure to, to speak with you ladies and truly thank you for everything you do. It's really oh, cool. We're definitely speaking again, Jane. We do thank want you back so much. Yeah. And we'll put all your links on the description so that people ah, thank you. you and buy your books and everything else. So we'll make sure thank we you. cover. Jane, would you hang on for a second at the end just after we finish recording? Just oh, please. Sort that out. Um, but we'll say bye-bye to everybody listening. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed it. And thank you again, Jane, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.